From Mita Japan, I'm Frank Ling, and you're listening to the Grok Science Show. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the way it affects our daily lives. Coming from today's show, Dr. Cliff Froelich will join us to talk about human-induced earthquakes. So stay tuned for this and the world famous question of the week coming right up. Welcome back to the program. Well, in a recent PNS paper, researchers showed that earthquakes caused by the deep injection of fluids are more common than thought. These activities that require injections include geothermal power, uh, petroleum extraction, and the disposal of fluid waste. Well, joining us today to talk about this research is Dr. Cliff Froelich, director at the Institute of Geophysics in the Jackson School of Sciences at the University of Texas. Uh, Dr. Froelich, thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Your work is really fascinating. Could you tell us a little bit about this? Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, interest in these earthquakes that might be caused by human activity in the last uh, uh, couple of years. And uh, it, it seemed to me that you only had research on it when they sort of caused a, a ruckus. That is, uh, in 2008, I got involved in some earthquakes in Dallas that the uh, news and people there got concerned about. And so we put out some stations with colleagues at Southern Methodist University. And, uh, and generally, uh, it seemed to me the only research was getting done when the earthquakes bothered somebody. And if you want to ask questions like, well, what's the chance that a particular well might uh, cause earthquakes, I figured we really need to do a survey to find earthquakes, whether they were bothering anybody or not. And so uh, that's what my paper did. That's the significance is that rather than waiting until I get calls from people like this radio station and then starting my research, I said, let's go look for earthquakes to see how common they are, whether they bother people or not. And you found that, in fact, they are more common than previously thought. Uh, to someone in the earthquake business, that's not a surprise because uh, uh, there's a lot of little earthquakes. You know, for every magnitude six, there's ten magnitude fives, and a hundred magnitude fours, and a thousand magnitude threes, and ten thousand magnitude twos. And by the time you get down to magnitude two, uh, the earthquakes might not be felt or uh, might not bother anybody. So, I found uh, about eight times as many earthquakes as have been reported by the U.S. Geological Survey. Almost all those earthquakes were tiny earthquakes that weren't bothering people, and uh, that's. Uh, I think that's important, but it wasn't a terrible surprise to me. Okay, and what? how did you uh, specifically come to these conclusions? I understand you found the epicenters, but how does that correlate to the actual uh, injection activities? Well, let's see. Uh, there were several steps in my research. One reason I chose to study these earthquakes in the uh, Barnett Shale, which is in the part of Texas near Dallas-Fort Worth, was there's been a major uh, science 
program in the United States over the past uh, half dozen years where the National Science Foundation has put seismograph stations every on a 70-kilometer grid across the country. And the country's too big to do it all at once, so they have a swath of instruments from the Can- Canadian border to Mexico, and then the ha- every year half of that uh, swath is moved east. And so for the two-year period from 2009 to 2011, this swath was in uh, eastern Texas. And so this was an opportunity for, for me to look at stations in the Dallas, or, I'm sorry, earthquakes in the Dallas-Fort Worth area with much better coverage of seismic stations than uh, previously uh, and in the future. So that's what I did. Okay. And w- once you found these earthquakes, how, I mean, I, I guess I'm trying to see this connection between the the fluid injection Okay, I realize I didn't answer your last question. Uh-huh. So the, the next step in the research, in most states in the United States, the, uh, uh, there are organizations in each state which keep track of uh, fluid injection and production in oil and gas wells. This is because oil and gas is often taxed, and also there's environmental concerns. Um, in Texas, this organization, uh, the state organization is the Texas Railroad Commission, uh, an interesting aside is that the uh, Texas Railroad Commission has absolutely no authority to regulate railroads. Most of its job these days is, uh, uh, when it was founded, it regulated railroads, but it hasn't regulated railroads for 20 years. Now it regulates the oil and gas industry. Um, so anyway, the uh, location of injection wells uh, is public information, and if you are injecting, you have to uh, supply monthly information about uh, the amount you're in- injecting and so on, and the depth and so uh, once I had located my earthquakes very precisely, then I could compare these locations to uh, publicly available information about the location and properties of injection wells. You mentioned uh, railroads. You know, in, in comparison to, say, when a train causes some shaking, how is that compared to the, the shaking that comes from the injection? Well, let's see. Most of the earthquakes I was looking at were small earthquakes, uh, one and a half to three. Uh-huh. And uh, a magnitude three earthquake is a pretty small earthquake. It's like right. uh, it's like a motion on two foot. The, the fault might have this be the size of two football fields, and the slip on that fault would be an inch. If that earthquake was right underneath you, you'd get a pretty good jolt. Um, you would certainly know about it, and it might knock some things off your shelf. Uh, but if you were uh, ten miles away, you might not know that the earthquake happened. So, uh, and a magnitude two is even more uh, local. That is, you might hear it. Uh, sometimes with these little earthquakes, people think there's a, a clap of thunder or uh, a sonic boom, or uh, sometimes they think something ran into the house, but they're not, they're not always perceived as earthquakes. With, with regards to the injection, how deep uh, are, are these injections that they're talking about? In Texas, there are tens of thousands of these wells, and so as you can imagine, there's a lot of different depths. But typically, they're usually deeper than a kilometer, and they're seldom deeper than, say, four kilometers. So, uh, you know, half a mile to uh, three miles, roughly. What what happens is, uh, in the hydrofracturing business, the whole reason they're hydrofracturing is that they're trying to get gas or oil out of uh, strata that the fluids don't flow. So they they hydrofracture to bust up the rock so that the fluids will flow out more easily. Mm-hmm. And so when they dispose of fluids, they don't want to put them back into a strata like that because the whole problem is that fluids don't flow. So what they try to do is find a strata where fluids will flow very easily, and they also want one deep enough so they don't come to the surface or something like that. In the case of the 
Barnett Shale, I studied the strata beneath the Barnett is a strata called the Ellenberger, which is a, a fluids flow very easily. And so, and since the Barnett is, think fluids don't flow, that sort of caps the Ellenberger so that things don't get to the surface. So they inject into the Ellenberger to get rid of the fluid waste. Okay, and, and this fracturing that you were talking about, this is the the whole controversy regarding fracking, is that right? Uh, pretty much. Um, there are some misconceptions people have. That is, when you're producing a, a shale gas, uh, there are really four steps. You drill a well, that's step one. Then you hydrofract the well. You frack the well by pumping in uh, high-pressure fluids. Then you produce the well. Now you, you just let gas flow out, but when you do, some of the fluids you pumped in and maybe even some water that was down there already flows back out along with the gas. Mm -hmm. And then you have to dispose of that water. That's dirty water, and nowadays you can't just dump it in the river. And so uh, typically uh, it's injected back in these uh, injection wells. Mm -hmm. uh, so four steps. And now drilling never causes earthquakes. Fracking almost never causes earthquakes. There's millions of frack jobs in the world. In, in the literature I read, there's only been three or four where people have documented uh, true earthquakes, and they were less than magnitude three or three and a half. They're very tiny. Uh, producing wells, it can happen, but it's not the kind of wells in shale gas. That is, there are some fields in the world where people have taken out uh, millions of barrels of oil or trillions of cubic feet of gas, and they've removed so much material that the you know the things settle and you get earthquakes. But that's not what's happening here. It's the injection to dispose of fluids that is sometimes related to earthquakes. Even that is fairly rare. Like I said, there's tens of uh, thousands of injection wells in Texas, and there's only you know a, a, a small fraction of those that might uh, be related to earthquakes. But one problem, one misconception among the public and sometimes the press is they'll say, oh, uh, drilling is causing earthquakes or fracking is causing earthquakes. Uh, in uh, almost all, it's never the drilling and it's almost never the fracking. It's usually the disposal in injection wells that's causing earthquakes, and even that's fairly rare. And for those of you who just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Cliff Froelich from the University of Texas on human-induced earthquakes. establish some correlation between these injecting activities and mild earthquakes. Um, in your personal opinion, w would you say that the current state of activities can continue uh, uh, in a safe way, or should there be some restrictions? Well, let's see. Um, I, ha I have to have a disclaimer, that is, I am not an expert on policy, and of course my job is not to make policy. Um, w the way I can contribute here is that what I think is if you're going to make policies, they should be informed policies. Or if you're a company that wants to manage injection, you would like to have informed, but you like to have information so you can do that in an informed way. And this is one thing that's been strange about this science to me is this is one of those hot button science uh, issues. And mm -hmm. uh, another hot button issue is you know the global climate change. And these hot button issues, it seems like everybody has an opinion and they want. Uh, things settled right away. Right. And they don't seem to. They don't seem to look at the data very much. 
I mean, the governor of our state has come out with his opinion on climate change and so on. Colleagues in my institute are studying climate change. I mean, they don't have a horse in that race. Uh, they want to study the, the data and find out what's going on. Um, I'm a little bit like that with the uh, shale gas development. People are calling, we have to stop it, or we need to regulate it, or we shouldn't regulate it. And uh, what's amazing to me is that uh, there's surprisingly little uh, call out there. Let's study it and see if we can understand it better. If we are going to have regulations, we'd, we'd like to have informed regulations so they're they're not too restrictive, but they're safe. And like I say, if you're a company, uh, whether you're regulated or not, I mean, the companies don't want uh, the public up in arms. They don't want to cause uh, uh, damage. You need information to do that. And my study, uh, science is like a wall. You build it mm -hmm. a brick at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, my study is one brick in that wall. I looked at one of the major shale gas fields, the Barnett Shale. I found that, indeed, there's a lot more of these earthquakes going on than people knew about. Most of them were harmless. Um, what I also found is that uh, occurred near the higher volume injection wells. That is, all the wells that had earthquakes had maximum injection rates of more than 150,000 barrels per month. So this suggests there might be a cutoff that if you uh, injected at lower rates, it might not happen. Um, mm -hmm. On the other hand, like a lot of science, uh, I answered some questions, but I raised some questions. That is, there were uh, the majority of wells that injected at those rates of 150,000 barrels a month didn't have earthquakes. And in fact, there were some counties, for example, most of the earthquakes were in a county called Johnson County. About a third of the high-rate wells in Johnson counties had earthquakes near them. There's a county, two counties to the west of Stevens County, had just as many high-rate wells and no earthquakes. So a, a remaining question is, why do some of these wells have earthquakes and some do not? If I was going to look you know, in this building, this wall with bricks of science, uh, if I was going to look in the Marcellus or the Haynesville or the Bakken uh, or the Eagleford, I'd, one, I'd want to see if uh, there is some critical rate. Um, I'd be surprised if it was the same as in the uh, Barnett because the uh, the strata you're injecting into are probably different. But that's the kind of thing we'd like to do because if you're, whether you're trying to craft regulations or whether you're simply trying to manage your uh, shale gas field, you know, you need some information. And like I said, this seems to be a business where there's a lot more talk than information at this time. Um, the, the other thing that's, <laughs> this is more cultural than scientific, but there seem to be vast differences in parts of the country about how uh, worried people are about this kinds of thing. In Texas, people are not terribly risk-averse. Um, that is, when a few years ago, a tornadoes killed somebody in my bowling lead, league, and people said, well, you know, that's sad, but their tornadoes happen. And uh, when I moved to Austin, their houses and people have been killed in floods, but people say, well, floods happen all the time. I used to live in Galveston, where, uh, you know, the hurricane killed a quarter of the people in 1900. When I lived in Galveston and the hurricane was in the Gulf, the authorities would say, we either leave Galveston, but whatever you do, tourists should stay away. And the merchants would say, we can survive a hurricane, but we can't survive a weekend without tourists. So, I mean, these are familiar environmental problems in Texas. Earthquakes are not familiar. And so a little magnitude, two or three earthquake happens, and people think you're going to have Haiti or uh, uh, Japan. In California, uh, people are used to magnitude two and three earthquakes, and they would say, well... Mm. Uh, these little earthquakes aren't bothering anybody. Um, that's just, those are just earthquakes. Just enjoy um, the sunshine. <laughs> so, and I think it's certainly true if you look in, you know, in New York, they've said we won't have 
this kind of development. Uh, in other parts of Marcellus, they do. Uh, there's really cultural differences in parts of the country and parts of the world about how willing people are to uh, consider environmental risks. So, so these concerns, were they originally raised by the public who hadn't experienced these earthquakes before, or was it just you know, observations from the uh, drilling committee that prompted this? Well, let's see. Um, I'm not sure I can give a perfect answer to that. In, in my community, the research earthquake seismology community, it's been established since 1940 that humans can cause earthquakes uh, in some situations, and it's been established since the 1960s that one of those situations is uh, the injection of fluids into the ground. Um, so uh, it's, it's no surprise. Occasionally, people will tell me it's impossible for humans to cause earthquakes, and uh, you know that's a little bit like people telling Orville Wright uh, humans will never fly. Well, you might have been able to tell them that in 1900, but in 1950, it's kind of silly. And uh, it's pretty well established that injection sometimes causes earthquakes. Now, the, the current concern about it is because this uh, the tight gas, the shale gas development, means that uh, we're putting injection wells in places that haven't had them before. Like I say, or I, I may have said earlier, in Texas, people have been heavily injecting into the ground since the 1920s, but that's been mostly in West Texas. And uh, what's happened that's different is in the places in the Barnett Shale, the injection is relatively recent, the last uh, five or ten years. So people are experiencing earthquakes in places where they haven't been injecting before. Great. So this is really interesting work that you carried out. Uh, what other current research topics are you working on right now? Well, you know, the last uh, year or so, I've been working pretty much exclusively on uh, earthquakes in Texas that m might be caused by human activity. Uh, I tell people, I've been a researcher in Texas for 35 years, and uh, many of those years, I was, I've become the world's authority on earthquakes in Texas. In, in 2002, I published a book called Texas Earthquakes, which is sort of a semi-popular book explaining earthquakes in the state to people. However, being the world's authority on Texas earthquakes has not been a full-time job until the last <laughs> two years. So I'm actually better known in my community for uh, research on uh, deep focus earthquakes and some aspects of the statistic, uh, statistical features of earthquakes. Uh, but the last two years, things have heated up. Not only there's been more earthquakes in Texas, but uh, these uh, human-induced earthquakes, which were uh, people thought they were, in my community, thought they were interesting, but there wasn't much, uh, much interest in them outside that. Uh, been, the last two years, that's been occupying my time. Great, great. I mean, one question related to the injection that you mentioned. Um, does it have any implications for things like uh, CCS, uh, carbon capture and storage, where they um, pressurize the CO2 and pump it into the grounds? It certainly may. That is, the, uh, the major reasons people pump things into the ground are disposable wastes, which is what I was looking at. Um, then there's geothermal is an issue. And then the third one is pumping carbon dioxide in the ground. And uh, uh, these are all, from a, a physics or seismology point of view, the same sort of thing. That is, you're, you're pumping fluids into the ground, and if these fluids reach faults that are stuck with friction, they could change the friction, and you could get small earthquakes. So uh, just as people weren't concerned about shale gas, so much 10 years ago, uh, they weren't concerned about pumping carbon dioxide, <laughs> carbon dioxide into the ground, and uh, because that's conceivably going to be a major 
program in the next 10 years, uh, suddenly the community is waking up and saying we better understand it better. I see. Uh, and, and besides earthquakes, are there any other geophysical phenomena that occur as a result of these injections? Well, probably the simplest answer is no. I mean, there's always concern that if you in, if you're unsuccessful in injecting to dispose of things and somehow the, the fluids find cracks and get back to the surface that you could contaminate groundwater or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is a concern. And of course, uh, <laughs> if they're developing shale gas or injecting across from your house or, or ranch, if you own the uh, mineral rights and are becoming rich, it's, you don't mind having trucks rumbling by your house all the day. Uh, if you don't own the mineral rights, it's, it's annoying to have uh, huge tank trucks rumbling by your house all the time. But uh, I think basically the answer is no, other than the obvious things that I've mentioned. Okay. Uh, well, Cliff, it's been a really, really interesting discussion. Uh, are there any last words you'd like to add about this work or other research that you're carrying out? Well, um, again, uh, two things. One is it's not the fracking, it's the disposal of waste that are generated by fracking that's the problem, and the waste are not uh, disposed of in fracking wells, they're disposed of in separate wells, the injection wells. And uh, the other thing is that uh, I don't see these things as leading to huge, dangerous earthquakes. For the most part, these are tiny little earthquakes that uh, are kind of like a thunderstorm, you know, they, they might hear a noise, something might fall off your shelf, but aren't dangerous. So uh, people shouldn't get too upset in most cases. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. Okay. It's been my pleasure. And we were just talking to Cliff Froelich from the University of Texas. We talked about human-induced earthquakes. In a few moments, he'll join us for the Rockatron 5000. So, stay right there. To the space filled with darkness and negative matter Anti-gravity pull is what I'd rather feel when I leave this shell eventually Ties to the mother earth ground me mentally Real vibes creep me alive spiritually Imagination brings bliss at no cost When I blink blink I receive at no loss Victory comes in small packages like a leaf off an olive tree Brought back by a dove from above and I'm gonna run love We saw that we're coming and this is the beginning of the end Well anyways Welcome back. Well, Cliff has kindly agreed to join us on this week's Grokatron 5000, the computer formerly known as Deep Blue. Uh, this week's question is, drill baby drill. Here are going to be five subjects, and Cliff is going to tell us whether we should drill or not. Alright, uh, subject number one, President Obama, drill baby drill or not? Drill baby, drill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's a, a factor in this uh, business about drilling. He's uh, spoken about his opinions as to what should happen. Okay. Uh, subject number two, the Olympics in London, drill baby drill or not? Oh, don't drill there. <laughs> not nothing over there in the old world. <laughs> nothing over there. Nothing over there worth drilling. All right. Subject number three, the Avengers movie, drill baby drill or not? 
don't drill there. Don't drill. Uh, okay. Don't want to mess with the superheroes, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, subject number four, Star Wars character, uh, Master Yoda. Master Yoda. Uh, that's more uh, lightsaber than drill. Lightsaber, baby, lightsaber. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good choice. And finally, subject number five, scientist Charles Richter. Drill, baby, drill or not? Yeah, drill. Drill. Drill, Charles. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for your insightful answers. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a pleasure playing your game, and uh, uh, you have a good day. You too. Have a great day. And that's all for this week's edition of the Rock Science Show. Make sure you tune next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at science at grox.net. You can also see us on the web at www.grox.net. And you can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. For Grox Science, I'm Frank Lang. Every morning I wake from the cavernous night.